Don't punt to Geo week three preview. As with last week, we're going to start with the Carolina weight game in the first half. And then we're going to dive into the rest of the Saturday slate after a quick word from some people who pay us for a quick word. Same as last week, Jake Lawrence is here to go on this journey with me. Jake, how are you, man? Doing great, man. How are you doing? Hey, man. Hanging in there. Uh, Thursday afternoon here as we record, I randomly got free tickets to the Panthers game tonight. So I'm kind of trying to compress my schedule and get over to Bank of America Stadium for the second time in 10 days. Uh, Not quite as excited about it as I was last time. Yeah, I mean, Panthers coming off that tough loss, too, so who knows? Thursday Night Football, never the uh, the most exciting product, but free tickets are free tickets. Free tickets are free tickets, and, uh, you know, get to watch uh, famous Jameis throw four picks, so you'll have that. <laughs> yeah, God, he killed my fantasy team last week, so I've been scrambling looking for a replacement. Oh, man, yeah, I had uh, Lamar Jackson do work, and – Still barely got the win. So fantasy football, that is another podcast, and it is something that I do not excel at. Jake, the heels are going to Wake Forest, uh, your former neck of the woods up in the 336 for a Friday night non-conference game. First of all, how do you feel about this being a non-conference game against Wake Forest? I'd go back and forth from, man, whatever. I think it's a really good and creative idea between the two schools to keep that rivalry as fresh as possible. Um, I think it's asinine that the ACC cannot find a way to make the four in-state schools uh, or the big four uh, actually play more than what they do. Uh, State and Duke are the other, uh, is the other duo that get shortchanged with the, with the divisions. Uh, And so I I applaud the effort to try to try to bring the fan bases together and and, and keep that going because the ACC has has failed at, at doing that. Yeah, and you look at something for State or Wake, I mean, they're playing a school from the state of Virginia every three years, I guess. And, you know, those are very longstanding rivalries. So this could kind of be our segue into talking about how the ACC should do away with divisions and give you three primary rivals and then rotate the rest of the conference every other year. But that would just be too simple, wouldn't it? Yeah, it probably makes too much sense. Uh, I don't think anyone really thought through the the conference division um, template, especially whenever we saw the massive expansion go on over the past decade or so, uh, and now now multiple schools uh, and multiple conferences have issues like this. Uh, and I think that if you're going to get weird with it and you're only going to have five major conferences, I mean four, because I don't really count the Pac-12 right now, uh, <laughs> then you got to find a way to uh, you got to find a way to to give the fans what they want. And, and the fans, look, college football, regional rivalries is kind of what college football was built on. Um, and it's how it started, it's how, it, how, how it maintains its popularity. Um, and I think that the ACC should look at a way to go back and, and make that a real thing uh, and make that tangible and bring back some of that local excitement. Yeah, I mean, I'm 31 years old. Uh, the next time after two weeks from now that Clemson's going to come to Chapel Hill, I will be 43. Um, same thing last year, me and a buddy went down to the Georgia LSU game because they will not go back there until uh, 2030. And Georgia and Texas A&M are playing for the first time since Texas A&M joined the conference almost a decade ago. I mean, it's, uh, the ACC and the SEC have problems. I don't think the answer is to go to nine conference games. I think the answer is just to come up with a, 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 a more natural uh, way to break this thing up. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you need another conference game. I like the idea that uh, that this, 
right now in the ACC has some flexibility to, to go out and find a different game. You know, that, that's how we get South Carolina. That's how we get Auburn next year. And North Carolina has really gone. I, I applaud the what North applaud the way North Carolina has gone about it by looking for a P5 opponent and not doing what some other schools do and just trying to load up on, on lower level uh, FBS or higher level FCS schools. Uh, go so, on, go uh, on. I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you know, so. You know, North Carolina opens up against South Carolina. Some other schools open up against Western Carolina and ECU. So, you know, and then Ball State uh, after that. So, you know, I think I think there are I think there are methods to it. I, I applaud the way North Carolina has gone about it. But, you know, the other thing too with that is that um, when you're looking at the conferences like that, when you don't have the ability to play, and this is, what I want to say is this is not like get off my lawn, old man, this is better one that, you know, with the way it used to be. I think everyone to some extent was what apprehensive and they looked at the expansion uh, with a wary eye, but by and large expansion conference expansion has not been a bad thing. And I think it's opened up a lot of really good doors, but I think one of, I think one of the adjustments is you've got to find a way to maintain some of those older connections. Uh, and I agree. I do not think that it's nine conference games. I think the way you go about it is you restructure the conferences away from the division mindset. Um, because look, North Carolina and Boston College, mm-hmm. I mean, no one cares. But <laughs> North Carolina and Pitt every year, other than other than our dominance over them for weird reasons in the Fedora era, but that's not a big deal. But North Carolina fans want to play Clemson, and North Carolina fans want to play Wake. Uh, and so I think there are ways in the ACC that you could make that happen uh, much more organically than what they have done so far. And honestly, I, I would just love to stop hearing the excuse of we play in the Atlantic division, thus we can't get over the uh, uh, proverbial hump for some fan bases. But that's me. Um, how do you feel about this game being on a Friday night? Um, I, I think we already referenced the reason it got moved from Thursday to Friday, and that's because there's an NFL game in the market. I just hate that college football has conceded Thursday night to the NFL. Yeah, I do too. And and I think that honestly, um, I don't think it would make a difference if they went head to head with what the viewership numbers are going to be. Uh, and I, I think that college football fans are college football fans and NFL fans are NFL fans. That's a feeling. I don't know what the numbers actually say, uh, but I know what I would be watching on Thursday night and it's not the Carolina Panthers. So, it, you know, that I think each, I think each fan base or each sport has a different kind of fan base. Uh, my bigger issue with it is not going to the NFL, but it, that it steps all over Friday nights high school uh, leagues and the high school games. Uh, and I think that's unfortunate. Uh, and I applaud Matt Brown, who I believe this week, he actually sent an email out uh, to all of the high school coaches in the state of North Carolina that said, look, I do not agree with this. This is not what we want. And so I'm interested to see what, what power he can, he can wield uh, in later seasons uh, to maybe keep North Carolina from doing this. But ultimately, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Keep it on Saturday or Thursday nights and, and let, let your product speak for itself. Yeah, and it comes down to TV money at the end of the day, and you're going to have the random Florida State at Boston College game and, you know, a few others that have been interspersed. I mean, uh, Clemson-Syracuse was on a Friday night a few years – or two years ago, actually, when uh, Syracuse pulled the upset. So there's going to be some weirdness to that. I just – you know, I mean, it it comes down to ESPN just having their – you know, they're tied at the hip with uh, the NFL, so – it's almost as if they said, okay, screw it. We'll, we'll stop doing good college football games running against your content. But I'd really like to go back to that because a Thursday night in Blacksburg is awesome. A Friday night in Blacksburg, probably not. A Friday night in Winston-Salem, not great. But 
as it is, that's what we've got. So let's talk about this football game. Um, by the way, the Heels lead the all-time series 69-35. to 35. Uh, So the nice. Heels are going for a nice little double up and is very nice. Starting with the Wake offense, uh, that's kind of been the headline so far through two games for them. Uh, Jamie Newman has been almost perfect at quarterback. Uh, his passer rating ranks 15th in the country. The quarterback facing him uh, ranks 14th, but they won't be on the field at the same time. Uh, what kind of jumps out at you about this Wake Forest offense? Um, they've been efficient. They haven't turned the ball over, but they also haven't really been tested and they haven't gone against top-notch defenses. Uh, and even going back to last year, I think their last three games are Memphis, Utah State, and Rice. So I don't know what to make out of them. Uh, really good at the receiver position. Um, quarterback has been, uh, deserves credit. Newman deserves credit for what he's done. Uh, but I am I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the step up in competition on the defensive side of the ball this time, because uh, I, I don't think they've been tested to date. Yeah, and the receivers you mentioned, Sage Surratt and Scotty Washington, uh, they have been excellent as typically receivers are when a quarterback is putting up the numbers that Newman has. Uh, Kendall Hinton, who's kind, of, I mean, former quarterback Kendall Hinton, uh, is their slot receiver. He's out on Friday, so one less weapon to for the heels to be concerned with what kind of concerns me is just the tempo and the pace that wake plays with. Uh, they were the fastest dead ball to snap team in the country last year. I have not seen any numbers on that this year, but basically if they can establish a rhythm, they are a team that can score points in a hurry, even if they are, you know, maybe nickel and diming their way down the field a little bit, but they can lull you to sleep with tempo and then take their shots downfield. Yeah, they're one of the rare teams that uh, they will beat you on explosive plays, and they will also beat you on an 80-yard slow, methodical – not slow, but a methodical, up-tempo kind of drive. They can do it both ways. Uh, And I think that's going to be the challenge for North Carolina's defense. Um, uh, North Carolina's defense has been really, really good on third down. They have – I believe they have held opponents to 24% or 26% uh, right in that range on third down conversions, which is phenomenal. The problem North Carolina defense has had is sometimes on their first and second downs, giving up, you know, the seven to eleven yard plays uh, that allow uh, a team to, like Miami, what you know, what Miami did really well. They stayed on the field for long periods of time, uh, and they they got down to the red zone and then been no break, but it kept that defense on the field nonstop. The Wake kind of do both; they can do your tempo and they can be explosive. And I don't know how North Carolina's defense is going to be able to handle that because they've not met a team uh, or they've not played. Uh, a team like Wake's offense in the first two games of the season. So I agree. That's probably what to watch more than anything is how does Wake's tempo handle it? And I think the answer is North Carolina has to force third downs uh, and get them off the field. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the injury to Patrice Rene is a big one. Uh, Carolina's secondary depth is going to be tested a little bit more. On the other hand, Patrice Rene missed uh, the first half of the South Carolina game and the Heels didn't really miss a beat. So, you know, we can talk ourselves into this both ways, but I just think Wake is a step down in talent from South Carolina and Miami, and you might see that reflected up front. I expect uh, Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford to have another big game, even if the stat sheets don't reflect it. But if the stat sheet's not reflecting it, it means Tomon Fox, he of three sacks, is the guy benefiting from that. So I expect the heels to be better in the trenches than in the first two weeks, and that – Definitely bodes well if Cade Carney plays. Uh, he's kind of your three yards in a cloud of dust running back. 
And where, where you said, you know, they can kind of go methodical on you. Uh, he is the reason for that. If he doesn't play, man, I, you know, I think the heels can make Wake Forest one-handed and that bodes very well. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Wake's running game can be slow to, to develop behind the line. Uh, there's the, I, from what I have seen, and I, I may be wrong on this assessment, but I don't see a ton of motion. I don't see a lot of uh, wide holes opening up to, or a lot of motion to, to get some mismatches and then, and then, the, then the offensive line uh, exposing those mismatches uh, and opening up holes to uh, aim five, six, seven yards per run. Their running game is slow and methodical for a reason, and it's used to open up the passing game. Uh, the difference, though, is Carolina's defense right now, with seven sacks through the first two games, that's already just under a quarter of the, no- the total number of sacks they had all year last year. Uh, they had 32 last year. They already have seven against two very good teams. Um, and so I'm interested to see them, if they can get that pressure early on, on passing downs uh, on Wake's line and on Wake's quarterback, that's going to force Wake to, to abandon that running game uh, or will not make it as uh, – as impactful as it could be uh, and then you like you said that makes them one-dimensional so uh, I think that's the key and I'm looking for the linebacking core to really have a big game uh, we've talked about Strobridge before uh, along that line and I think that a lot of what they do in that line um, him and Crawford don't are not going to show up in the are not going to show up in the box score because they they require so much attention that's going to free up the delayed blitzes uh, or the outside blitzes and rushes from the linebackers and so now at a full-strength linebacker core for the first time all season, uh, that could really cause some havoc, especially towards the end of the first half and in the third quarter when uh, when Wake may be getting tired. I, I've got nothing to add. Uh, when Well, in between when Carolina has the ball and Wake has the ball, there's the matter of uh, special teams. Uh, we haven't touched on it the first two weeks. we got to touch on it here. Uh, ben Kiernan's been really bad. He is a freshman. Uh, he punted the ball a lot better in high school than he's been punting so far. Uh, you said something interesting about what Mac Brown said about him earlier in the week. Yeah, at his press conference, um, Mac said that they may be they may have been asking him to do too much, uh, maybe too much directional punting, too much instruction, instead of just letting him go out and kick the ball. Uh, and for a freshman, a true freshman, um, going up against the likes of South Carolina and Miami, uh, some simpler is better is better and you hope that your coverage team can you know do what they're supposed to do and cover uh, the problem has been that the coverage teams have not been able to cover and so uh, I think the answer is just let Ben Kiernan kick and make and hold your make your special teams uh, coverage hold them accountable and make them do their job uh, and be able to cover and not give up large returns uh, you know the flip side of that is that's what they average like 28 yards per punt Look, if he's averaging four yards per punt and they're getting, or I'm sorry, 40 yards per punt and Miami was going to be able to get 12 yards per return, well, you know, then whatever. He was kicking it out of bounds at 28 yards and, you know, it's a net gain or, or it's a wash, I should say. Um, and that's a little bit tongue in cheek, but uh, the, the issue I don't think is necessarily the punting. I think the issue is the punt coverage, which is affecting and impacting the, the instruction and direction uh, that Ben Kiernan is, is trying to execute on the field. Well, it's a little bit of chicken and egg there. You know, you don't want to outkick your coverage, but you also don't want to handcuff a punter, which I can't believe we're saying the phrase handcuff a punter on a podcast. But on the other yeah, side, I mean, look, <laughs> well, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is a chicken and egg. Uh, and that's a positive. And the negative, of course, is that he's just not been good. And there may be something to that. 
I would imagine that, you know, what Max said was more part coach speak, part taking some of the blame, uh, and part truth. Uh, and that's a lot of what Mac does. You know, he's not going to lie to you. He's not going to he's not going to hold things from you. Uh, but he's also going to put a spin on it in the right way to make sure that he's not throwing anyone under the bus. Uh, and so there's probably a mix of all of that in that answer. It's amazing that somebody can be both diplomatic and open. It's it's, it's a very weird time we live in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I forgot what that looks like. Yeah. Um. When the heels have the ball. Just a couple of quick stats. Uh, Wake Forest is, and Grant, Grant, you again, this is against Utah State and Rice. Rice, who is pretty much always in the bottom 10 nationally in offense. Uh, Wake's ranked 105th in the country in uh, yards per play on defense at 6.07. Just, you know, it's a small sample size, but just compare that with North Carolina, who's ranked 80th, which isn't great. But Carolina played two top 30 ish teams how bad do you think this weight defense is because i think it's quite bad uh we're gonna agree again and i think it's very bad and i think that this game that north carolina um i think in previous years you would see north carolina try to throw themselves out of it and try to be explosive uh, i think this north carolina team so far has been roughly a two to one run to pass ratio a little bit less than that i think and I think you're going to see the, the running backs feast early and often uh, to control the momentum, keep that keep that tempo based wake offense off the field, uh, and just and put together long drives that end up uh, in touchdowns or field goals. Because uh, that's what we've seen this North Carolina team do against two very good defenses, uh, and there's no reason to think they're not going to do that against a much weaker defense. Yeah, I think they're going to take the kick gloves off a little bit, and that does not necessarily mean Sam Howell chucking it 40 times. Uh, for me, that means, you know, play a tempo at which they're comfortable or at which Phil Longo wants to play and let Michael Carter get his 15 carries and Javante Williams get his 18 and get Antonio Williams on the field for 10 to 12 and just run it down their throats. Uh, this is a Wake team that gave up 193 yards rushing per game last year. Um 33.3 points per game last year. Uh, gave up about 600 against Utah State at home in week one, where week one offenses aren't humming. 41 to Boston College last year. 56 to Notre Dame. 24 to Rice last year. Uh, 21 this year. 38 to Florida State, who didn't have an offensive line last year. I mean, th this is just – and, you know, you kind of saw it with Larry Fedora to a point, but when you're – goal is to go tempo 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 on offense and wear a defense down by the fourth quarter you kind of wear your own defense down as well and I just you know I mean Justin Stranad and uh, Carlos Basham they're a couple of uh, impact players up front but they're not like oh man we have to game plan for these guys impact players they're just you know the high three stars that have really emerged at Wake Forest but I just you know i Turnovers aside, knock on wood, turnovers, special teams, antics aside, I don't see how UNC's offense does not basically do what they want against Wake Forest. Yeah, and I think that what we've seen for two weeks from the North Carolina offense is there are times when they've been tempo-based and been very effective, and there are times when they've gotten very conservative and they've stalled out, and then there are times they've been explosive. So I'm not sure we know what this offense is supposed to be yet. And part of that is bringing Sam Howell along slowly, and part of that is competition. What I would really like to see from, from North Carolina's offense this week, aside from taking the kid gloves off of Howell and letting him 
uh, give them a little bit more freedom to throw. Uh, I would really like to see long, sustained drives, five, six, seven yards at a time, uh, and and just keeping Wake Forest on the field and just say, look, we're coming right at you. We're going to run it down your throat. We're going to keep doing it until you stop us. And then when you stop us, we're going to do it again to where you can't stop us. Um, I just think there's too much talent in the backfield. Now, they can only do that if they can – if they can make manageable third down or if they can get to manageable third down yardage so far, North Carolina is only averaging about 26% uh, on third down conversions and their average third down distance to go is seven yards. They have got to get that down to four or three yards. And that can only happen either with short out routes or slants or leaning heavily and uh, on the running game and having that offensive line just push around a, a weaker Wake Forest line, uh, defensive line. Uh, and that's what I would really like to see from, from North Carolina, uh, especially early in the game, to try to, uh, to, try to go ahead and, and build that lead up by, by two or three possessions. Yeah, and I think that was the game plan against Miami. Miami's defense, their front seven's just really good, so the Heels found themselves yeah. behind the chains a good amount in that game. And, you know, they kind of leaned on them and – you know, took the lead, but then kept it close late. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened in the fourth quarter when Javante Williams started getting loose and Michael Carter had a couple of runs, beat him to the edge on that two-point conversion. So, I mean, it's a war of attrition to an extent, but I think the heels can catch a break in the war of attrition a lot earlier against Wake than you really can against South Carolina or Miami. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and I mean, look, if this game is close going into halftime, by like close, I mean, if it's within one possession, I think that I think that it's okay to be a little bit concerned. But if North Carolina, I mean, I just don't see them going into halftime down or up by less than 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 a touchdown at that point. I, I just don't. And maybe maybe I'm wearing too uh, maybe, maybe my little too blue colored today. But I mean, looking at it, I just I don't see that happening. Uh, especially after uh, after the competition they played, as long as long as they have mentally not bought into their own hype and they understand that a road game is a road game is a road game, and there are no easy road games in college football. Yeah, and that comes back to coaching and keeping them focused. And I think right now, with the credibility that Mac Brown has probably gotten from the players, because this is essentially the same team that won five games over the past two years. I think he has their attention at this point. That might be way oversimplifying it. I don't have any inside access, but I'm just going to kind of give Mac Brown the benefit of the doubt until I'm given reason not to, as far as that goes. Well, I mean, you're not wrong there. And you have to understand too, that Mac Brown understands the importance of in-state games. Uh, I believe it was like what his last go around last go around North Carolina, he didn't lose to any of the in-state opponents for like his last three or four years. It was something insane. His last seven um, years. That, he, he, he's, won, he's won 19 games against Wake State and Duke in a row. He's putting that on the line. Yeah, so like, he gets it. He's, it's kind of like Roy Williams and NC State. Like, Mac understands the importance of the in-state games. Uh, and so, I, for that reason, I think North Carolina will come out flat. And that same mentality carried over to Texas, where he didn't have a losing record against any of the in-state opponents in, in the state of Texas. Um, and so, uh, he gets Just that, and I think he'll have him up for that. And, uh, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't have major issues, but I do think it's something that at least bears mentioning. Uh, you know, if, if a young, inexperienced team who has not had success uh, doesn't understand to bring it, uh, you know, so to speak, using that coach speak there uh, on, on a Friday night. 
Yeah, and we'll get to predictions on this, but if there's a game on the schedule that I don't mind losing going forward, uh, besides Clemson, we're going to lose to Clemson. It's probably this one just because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, it'll, it'll delay Carolina's ascent to the, potentially the top 25 or national relevance, but I'd rather be, I'd, I'd rather be looking at a seven and one ACC slate than dropping something to like Virginia or Pitt or something down the road. So, you know, it, it should be a fun opportunity for them to get loose. How do you see it playing out? Prediction time, Jake. Oh, I, uh, I wrote, I did a Q&A with their SBN website blogger, So Dear, uh, and I, I don't know where that name for them comes from, but we're Tar Hill, Tar Hill Blog, so we don't really have any room to question other people's names. Um, and I said that I think North Carolina wins 41-24. I think the offense finally uh, gets the job done uh, in this game. I think they're finally let loose a little bit, and I think they dominate uh, against a weak defensive line. Well, as with last week, uh, last week I had us at 27-23. Final score is 28-25. Uh, you were at 34-23. Um, I'm a little less optimistic, but still have the heels uh, putting up the same result on one side of the ball. I've got Carolina 41, Wake 34. As the week's gone along, I've gotten a little bit more optimistic, but that's why I put in the Wake Forest game preview, so I'm going to stick to that. I think, if anything, it goes higher, but – you know, that is for the people that are betting on college football uh, to go determine for themselves because the over-under as of yesterday was 67 and a half. Maybe bet the over. Yeah, the, the numbers in Vegas are really high on two explosive offenses for this one. And so, you know, that is what it is. But, you know, I know this is a football podcast, but the ACC um, regular season numbers started coming out today. And for some reason, Duke is a 5-2 to two favorite to win the ACC basketball regular season. They haven't won in a decade. So sometimes I don't know where Vegas pulls its stuff, um, and I'll be interested to see North Carolina continue to flip the narrative on, on its head. They're right more often than we are. Jake, we're going to take a break, and we're going to dive into a very barren week three. So let, let's see what we can find when we get back. Jake, we're back. Uh, week three, this is kind of your – you start to get a little bit more conference play, but uh, my God, it is rough. Um, for the first time in almost two years, there are no top 25 versus top 25 matchups. So let's uh, see if we can put lipstick on a pig here. I've got about 17 games highlighted. We've got about 13 minutes to do it. Maryland at Temple at noon. Maryland. Oh, for sure, Maryland. Well, I'm. you know what? I like Temple's continuity, even between coaching staffs. I think Rod Carey could pull that upset. I think they got Georgia Tech next week, so I'd feel better about that one. But you are uh, all in on Maryland putting up better offensive numbers in their basketball program at this point. Uh, after the past two weeks, yeah. And look, last week I said Maryland's program was a dumpster fire, and I was wrong. Um, they are much better than I ever expected they would be after all the turmoil they've been through the past couple of years. So um, they they proved me to be an idiot last week, and I'll stick with, with them winning over Temple this week. I respect it. Uh, course correction there. Uh, Chattanooga at Tennessee. Can Chattanooga make it three in a row for the Vols? Uh, at this point, yeah, I mean, look, their coach compared their their transfers to the rats on a sinking, on a sinking Titanic. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but until they can prove prove otherwise, I'm going to keep picking them to lose. So give me Chattanooga in, in another. I don't. I won't even call an upset at this point. I don't know if it would be an upset either. I'll take Tennessee to right 
the ship, and I, I do mean that literally. They also had a boat catch on fire before the first game, so uh, <laughs> yeah. nautical references aren't working well for the Vols. Uh, K-State at Mississippi State. This is a weird uh, interconference game, but uh, one that was kind of fun to watch last year. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I care much <laughs> about this one. You said it was Mississippi State? Okay, I'll I'll go K State just to be a little bit a little bit controversial there uh, on the road, but yeah, I mean honestly, this is probably the best game of the noon slate, so I thought I'd touch on it. Uh, NC State goes to West Virginia, and West by God, Virginia decided this was the year that they were going to be trash. Which is why I'm going to pick West Virginia because there's nothing better than a trash team ruining North Carolina State's early momentum. What's up, Wake Forest? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to roll with State. That too. Okay, well, can, can we get three upsets in a row then? Because I've got Furman at Virginia Tech, and it, 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 feels, it, it feels like time for uh, Virginia Tech to lose to an FCS opponent again. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech on this one. Um, but if they lose, I wouldn't be surprised, and I would probably gladly celebrate because there's few things that make me happier than watching that program continue on the decline. Yeah, and even like a 17-point win for Virginia Tech is a loss. So I'll take a 17-point Virginia Tech win, but uh, it'll just make the noose around Justin Puente's neck ever so tighter. Uh, since the Citadel goes to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's defenders got to play the option every day in practice for the previous four years. So I'm assuming that they know, they're going to know how to handle this. Uh, I hope so. Um, the question is if the coaching staff can handle it. But I think Georgia Tech, even with uh, even in a rebuild mode, uh, I still think they have too much talent. But as we saw last week uh, with Army and Michigan, uh, option teams can cause problems. So uh, I think it'll be close than people think. But Georgia Tech should should handle them pretty easily. Yeah, if you can find a line on this game anywhere, uh, take the Citadel and the points because it because option teams and service academy teams always cover. Um, Always, go, like, like 75% of the time they cover. It's ridiculous. Uh, going to the 330s, uh, a, a team that Carolina has seen in the recent past, Alabama goes to South Carolina for South Carolina's SEC opener and what I'm assuming is just a trial by fire for Ryan Holinsky. Yeah, there's no way South Carolina runs out with, with that win. I think, I think Alabama probably runs away with it by the first half, so Alabama. But my God, how insufferable will South Carolina fans be if Holinsky throws for like 400 yards and pulls the upset? Well, they still got the loss to North Carolina, so I don't care. Yeah, but but Holinsky didn't play that game, so um, yeah, we we would win that game nine times out of ten. Now, <laughs> South Carolina. That's what they said, but you know, they also couldn't stop us in the fourth quarter. So you know, you pick your poison. Yeah, Holinsky doesn't play defense. Uh, Stanford at UCF. This is just an all-time weird game. I think UCF kills them. That's a very weird game. Um, where is it being played? At Central Florida. Oh, then I will take UCF in the cross-country upset. I mean, it's a body clock game for Stanford, and Stanford uh, just showed that maybe their defense is not quite ha- uh, equipped to handle tempo at this point against USC last week. Uh, speaking of USC, they go to BYU. Uh, shout out Jacob Cowden. Does uh, BYU get the uh, win against SC, or is SC actually good? Uh, I don't think SC is very good. 
per se, but I think they're better than BYU. So uh, I'll go with them for, for that reason alone. Yeah, BYU got the nice emotional boost of winning at Tennessee. Um, I don't know if that carries over. I got SC as well. Oklahoma State goes to Tulsa. That's weird, but Tulsa's bad, so I don't know why I wrote that one down. Uh, El Asico, this was almost the only ranked versus ranked game of the week. This is where game day is going. Iowa at Iowa State. Um... Iowa State. I like Matt Campbell. I like what they're doing there. So I'll go to Iowa State. Yeah, their defense is probably the best comparable for what Jay Bateman's trying to do at UNC, at least in the Power Five. So I'm here for that. I, I get the weird feeling that Iowa is just going to kind of sleep sleepwalk their way to like a boring 19 to 16 win. But I'm I'm going with my heart, not my head. Go Cyclones. Uh, this is a weird one. Louisville's playing, quote unquote. At Western Kentucky, Jake, where do you think this game would is being played? Because you would think, well, wherever Western Kentucky is located, right? You would think is it being played in Lexington? No, it's not being played Frankfurt. in the state of Kentucky at all. Where is it being played? In Nashville. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> Western Kentucky, like. The the school that famously, you know, invests in Bobby Petrino, then invests in Jeff Brom after that, and still can't get 15,000 people out to a game at Western Kentucky, decides their, air quote, home game against Louisville is going to be in Nashville. Like, what, what what the hell are we doing? Whatever. I'll take Louisville on that one just because, look, I don't think – I still think they're going to have a lot of trouble. They got some really weird press for a, quote, unquote, good showing against Notre Dame in the first game of the season or something. I don't know. Uh, I think it could be a trap game for them, but I think that if they can handle this game, then Louisville might just be able to show that uh, they don't have as far to go as people think they do. Uh, if they lose, then they may be way worse than what we expected. There, there might be like 7,000 people at that game. So maybe that's enough to bring Louisville out flat. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll take Louisville, but I don't care. Like that, that game shouldn't be happening. Um, yeah. Bethune-Cookman goes to Miami. I'm assuming Miami gets their first win. And this game just kind of jumped off the page. It's fairly interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, North Texas at Cal. Uh, one, you've got Seth Luttrell, who's a hot coaching candidate. Uh, North Texas, low-key, one of the better G5 teams. Do you think any chance after Cal played until 1.45 in the morning getting the upset at Washington that North Texas could come in there and disrupt some things? Well, I think they absolutely can disrupt some things. Uh, I don't know if North Texas's defense is good enough um, to to handle Cal. And Cal's offense isn't explosive by any means. But uh, they're solid. And to go up to Washington and get a win is, is, is big. But uh, I, I definitely think that North Texas's offense could show some trouble to, to Cal's offense and maybe make it interesting. Um, so that game won't surprise me. I'll go with North Texas just to actually take a risk on something. Man, the way I set these things up, I realized uh... – you know, kind of gets you to take the bold take even where I intended to. Damn it. Um, yeah, but you're the you're the host, though, so you get to do that. Yeah, and you get to pick first. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking North Texas in the upset because the Pac-12 is weird and garbage. Night games, Florida at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky doesn't have their starting quarterback anymore. Florida, we don't really know much about them. Uh, they, they beat Miami fairly well enough. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm taking Florida just for what it's worth. Um, 
but Florida's are they still a top ten team, top fifteen? They are number eight. Yeah, I'll go with them over Kentucky, and I get the SEC is weird, but uh, I think Florida's defense is is strong enough to to handle any issues they may have on the offensive side of the ball that popped up uh, in that first game against Miami. So give me Florida. I like it. Uh, Duke going to Middle Tennessee State for some reason. Uh, Clemson at Syracuse. Uh, the last two years, Syracuse has lost by a total of one point in the aggregate against Clemson, and that includes one uh, four-point win two years ago. Can they do it again? No. No, they just gave up 60-some-odd points to Maryland. So I would have to yeah. agree. Um, Florida State goes to Virginia. Florida State is officially in trash fire status. Uh, thank God they beat UL Monroe because they would be talked about with Tennessee, which, you know, I could have some fun with it, but I still want Florida State to be decent for some odd reason. Um. I want them to be decent just because I want a good a good competitor for Clemson. But by and large, uh, I think UVA – I mean, look, UVA was picked to win the Coastal for a reason. UVA is very well coached, and they were one of the few teams last year when North Carolina was playing them. I legitimately, I legitimately thought they were the better overall football team. Um, and so I think UVA is going to go ahead and hold serve at home, which is – I can't believe I'm saying that. But I think UVA potentially is for real, and I think this game will help help show that one way or the other. Yeah, we're going to know a lot more, but I, I just get the feeling that UVA wins this from going away. And, you know, it, it gets real weird for Willie Taggart as he joins Justin Fuente and uh, Jeremy Pruitt and some of the other P5 coaches that are very squarely on the hot seat very quickly here in the season. Uh, yep. Jake, you, you mentioned some things that you wrote about uh, earlier in the week. Go ahead and plug that right quick. Yeah, so you can go over to Blogger So Dear. I did a Q&A with the Wake Forest blog. And they asked me some questions, and I answered them. And I said, watch out for Javante Williams and Timon Fox. as my two to watch for this week. And then uh, by the time this post, they, they should have responded to, uh, to my questions and done the same thing. So, And then after the game, I'll do the three things learned, uh, which we do after every game. Uh, that, that, that will post up on Saturday. So that's what I got. Love it. Yeah, I uh, wrote the preview for the Carolina Wake game that hit uh... – as you're listening to this yesterday, uh, we've got this podcast. Uh, Jacob Cowden and I broke down the Miami game and what happened in week two. Uh, we'll be doing something similar after this game, and hopefully it is a Carolina victory. So while you're here, go ahead, subscribe, download. Um, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I will read it on air. We did some of that last Tuesday. It really helps us out. Um, it helps us grow both from a numbers perspective perspective which you know is not a big deal to you but it is a big deal to my pride and it also helps us attract guests who are more famous than jake jacob and the rest of the crowd although i like talking to these people just fine go ahead please do that until next time keep it locked and go heels